Good morning, today's daf is daf chav zayin, today's shir is li'ilu dishmas, tzipora bashmul, and gershom meya ben moshe, gershom moshe ben meya, I must check his name, um, and may their memory be a blessing, and may their neshamas have an aliyah. We're at the Mishnah, two-thirds of the way down, chav vavam obeys, 26b. So the Mishnah says, this Mishnah is actually a continuation of the previous Mishnah. The previous Mishnah ended off, with one line, it said, You can eat a snack outside of the sukkah. You know, obviously, we've been discussing, a meal has to be eaten in the sukkah, but a snack you can eat outside the sukkah. And we explained the reason is, because you eat, you eat, you treat your sukkah like your home. So when you're eating a meal, you make sure to sit down at home and have your meal. So therefore, you have to have it in the sukkah. But... A snack you'll eat anywhere. You'll eat it inside your home, outside your home, in a bedroom, in a down room. So therefore, you can continue to, therefore, you can eat a snack outside the sukkah. Maaseh vehevyu, the Mishnah continues, Maaseh vehevyu lo Rebbe Yochanan ben Zakkai, litoim esatashil. They brought food for Rebbe Yochanan ben Zakkai to taste, have a little snack. Ul Ramagamil shnei koisa of a dalishamayim, and they brought Ramagamil two dates and a pitcher of water. Vaomru heolom lo sukkah. And they said, take them up to the sukkah. I take them up to the sukkah because, as I mentioned a few days ago, their sukkahs were very often on the roof. But what's the point here? Is he said, take them, they wanted to eat them in the sukkah. Now the Gemara is going to ask the obvious question, wait, you just told me in the in the previous line that you can eat a snack outside of the sukkah and here the sages are coming along and saying, no, we want to eat the snack in the sukkah. The Gemara will ask that. Um, but just one interesting point, just an important point to bear in mind, just regarding what are we discussing. So we see from Rabun, uh, Rabun Gamniel that dates are a snack. Koisvos are dates, um, dry dates, so we see that dates are a snack. Someone who learned that fruits are always considered a snack. Others want to learn, no, it's because two dates is smaller than a kabetza, and that's why it's considered a snack. So that's a discussion. If I remember correctly, I didn't look at the halacha recently, we treat all fruit as a snack. You can eat fruit outside of the sukkah. This, where, you ha- where you start running into how a measurement, like is it small enough to eat outside the sukkah, or is it large enough that you have to eat it in the sukkah, that would generally be with mezonas or hamotzi. That's a simple overview of how we paskin. Um, now, Rebbe Tzadok, when they gave bread to Rebbe Tzadok, he ate um, food, bread, less than a kabetza, not he took it in a cloth and he ate it outside the sukkah, and he didn't bench on it. So, why these different opinions? So, he held, you don't have to do Natilas Edayim when the bread is less than a kabetza. One reason is because remember part of the reason we vas our hands is so that your hands don't transmit or in memory in zeichet to hands that shouldn't transmit food to tumah. If the food is less than a kabetza, some hold that it can't become tome. So therefore, if you're eating food less than a kabetza, you don't have to do until time. You don't have to vas before you eat the bread. Also, why would he take it in a mapa? Because he still wants to be clean. He didn't wash his hands before his food, so he takes them in a cloth to so that his dirty hands are not touching the food. And the second thing is he would not bench. There's a machloikis elsewhere, but he passes like the opinion that what's the minimum size you bench on? That's a kabetza. Again, we passkin a kazayis. If you eat just a olive size of bread, you have to bench. Rabbi Tzadok goes like those opinions that holds if you eat, it's only if you eat an egg size of bread that you would have to bench. So as long as he's eating less than an egg size, he would eat it outside the sukkah. Um, 
Yeah, let's go on. Ma, the Gemara asks, Master Listo, are you bringing a story that contradicts the halacha? The halacha was that you have to eat, that you can eat a snack outside of the sukkah. And then the Mishnah weirdly brings two stories that you, that of sages who want to eat inside the sukkah. Now that's not, doesn't make sense for structurally, that doesn't make sense that you give me a halacha and then you bring stories into the case studies that prove the opposite. So the Gemara says, no, Chasura Mesr it's missing a line, and this is how you learn it. So, again, the previous line was that you must eat a snack outside the sukkah. If you want to go strict, you can go strict, and it's not considered arrogant. I interest, generally, you're not, a person is not allowed to just go strict and do things unnecessary. They're often called a fool, as we'll see later on. If you do something unnecessary, you make up a halacha that imposes an obligation on you, you're called a fool. And you shouldn't do that. And, or even yuhara, you're considered arrogant. A lot of musar in this line that, again, we see that you would have thought that if it's not, if you don't have to eat a snack in the sukkah, it could be forbidden to eat a snack in the sukkah because it leads to arrogance. Um, the simple line of thinking why it leads to arrogance is if you do something that's not required and most people don't do, you get a superiority complex. You say, oh, look at me. Ah, look how careful I am. I sit in the sukkah. Okay, but so therefore the toast is no. If you want to go strict in this case, you can. And then it continues. They bring Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai food to taste and Rabbi Gamliel to dates and a pitcher of water they said we want to eat it in the sukkah where they gave Rebbe Tzadok bread, he took it in a cloth and he ate it outside the sukkah and he didn't bench afterwards so we see both we see that it's a, it is a stringency to eat all your snacks and food in the sukkah and you're allowed to. It's not the sort of stringency that we would frown upon someone doing for being arrogant, trying to do more than that they what they're not obligated in. But it's also not something that if it's out of the way, we see Rabbi Tzadok didn't bother, wasn't careful to eat in the sukkah. So that's uh, uh, the Ran says on this. Let me just get that quickly. Um, he says so he says firstly someone who doesn't sit in the sukkah is not considered a fool I doing something that they're not obligated to do it and you're allowed to do it but he says but if a Talmud Chochom doesn't want to go strict again often you expect the Talmud Chochom to take the extra measures to go the extra mile it's still he's not considered someone who doesn't care about mitzvahs Um, so that's uh, yeah, that's the basic explanation on that line. This seems to say that if they would have given Rabbi Tzadok a kabetza of bread, he would have it would be chayv in a sukkah. This seems to be a, a rejection of Rabbi Yosef and Abaya. Yesterday's daf we learned Rabbi Yosef and Abaya said it's two or three eggs. It was rather. Who was it? Rosa. I think it was Rava who said that it's less than a kibetza. 
sorry, sorry. Uh, Rav Yosef was two or three eggs. Abaya was the one who said, no, it's a full kibetzer, the amount that a student eats when he's dashing off to shear. But that's more than a kibetzer. He says, no, maybe this that it mentions kibetzer is not in line because that's the less than a kibetzer. Maybe that's not because that's what's not obligated in a sukkah. The reason it mentions less than a kibetzer is because you don't have to do natila setayim or say birchas amazon on that amount. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Rabbi Lezer, Oymer, Abba, Sarasulas, Chayav, Adam, Lechol, Basukah. Rabbi Lezer says a person is obligated to have 14 Saudos in his Sukkah. Achas Biyom, Achas Belayla, one in the day and one at night. The simple answer is why? Uh, the Gemara will explain his reason. It says, Rabbonin says there's no set amount. Chutz Milal, Yom Tov, Rishon, Shalchag, Bilvad. Except for the first, there's no requirement of how many meals that you have to actually eat in your sukkah. And except for the first night of sukkahs. I first night of sukkahs you have to eat in the sukkah. Achron Shalachag. And a second halach, so that's the first halach, is how many meals do you actually have to eat in the sukkah? Second halach is, Rabbi Loza says, also if you miss the first night, you can make it up on the last night. What's the last night of sukkahs? Again, we're discussing in Eretz Yisrael where there's one night Yom Tov, six days Cholom on sukkahs, and then Shmini Atzeres. So the last night is Shmini Atzeres, Shmini Atzeres, if you think, I mean, we eat in the sukkah out of doubt that it might actually be, because we have two first days of Yom Tov, so, but really, Shmini Atzeres, you don't sit in the sukkah. So he says you can make up this meal that you missed, obviously during any day of sukkahs, but even on the last day of sukkahs on Shmini Atzeres. Um, the rabbi said, no, you can't make it up. You can't complete it. If you didn't have your meal on the first night in your sukkah and fulfill that obligation, well, then you lost out. You can't have it another time. And that's what the Pasuk says. If some, uh, something's crooked or twisted, you can't fix it. You can't straighten it. And it's a lacking that can't be made up. Again, you can't make up your meals. So we saw two machloikas in the Mishnah. The first one was Rebbe Lezer holds you have to have 14 meals in your sukkah, one every night and one every day of sukkahs. And the Chachomim said, no, there's no, you don't have to have meals. Rashi uses the phrase, if you want, you can fast. You don't have to eat in the sukkah except for the first, and then you don't have to eat in the sukkah if you're fasting. Just the first night you have to eat in the sukkah. Now the Gemara asks, and then the second halacha that they argued on is can you make up this obligation to eat in your sukkah, can you make it up on another day of sukkahs and what about the last night of sukkahs? Shmini um, Atzeres, when there isn't really even a sukkah, as we'll see the Gemara discusses that. It says, My time at the Rebbe what's the source for Rebbe Lezer? The Torah says you must dwell in your sukkah, which means dwell like you dwell in your house. My Just as on a general day, you have one meal in the morning and one meal in the day and night. And that's how they used to eat. We have breakfast, lunch, and supper. Some people break it up into smaller meals more often over the day. But in those days, they used to have two meals a day. One, one during the day and one at night. So he says, just as in your house, you would have, be having two meals in the day. So too in your sukkah, you have to have every meal. Av Rabbonin. They don't, they, they hold for this principle of you dwell in your sukkah like you dwell in your house. He says, no, Katira. They, so they say, yeah, more similar to your house. Well, just as when you're staying in your house, the rest of the year, if you don't want to eat, you don't have to eat. 
So so too with your sukkah. If you don't want to eat, you don't have to eat. So interesting take on, um, you can analyze what, again, they're both learning from this pasuk of you must dwell in your sukkah like your house. So Rebbe Lezer extends that too. Therefore, you have to have 14 meals like you would normally do in your house. And the Chachamim say, no, the norm in your house is not that you have to eat, it's that you choose to eat. So, so too with sukkahs. So, what was, oh, if that's the case, well, then the first night should be the same story. You should not have to eat in the sukkah. Again, Rabbanon said, you don't have to eat in your sukkah except for the first night, the first night obligation. So, Amar Rabbi Yochan, Amishum Rabbi Shimon Ben Yohat Tzedek. Rabbi Yochan says in the name of Rabbi Shimon Ben Yohat Tzedek, Neymar Khan Chamish also Neyman, Chamish also Bechag HaMatzos. It says the 15th, the night of the 15th by Sukkot, and it says the night of the 15th by Sukkot, and it says the 15th by Pesach. Just as there you have to eat on the first night of Pesach, you have to have a kazais of matzvah. It's a positive mitzvah from the Torah. So just, and then the rest of Pesach, it is optional if you want to eat matzah. It's rishus. So to here, it's optional if you want to eat in the sukkah. The first night is an obligation, and it's optional if you want to eat in the sukkah. I'm not going to go into it now, but Rashi goes into the drosha, how we know that the first night of Pesach is an obligation to eat matzah, and the rest of Pesach, it's your choice. Again, you can eat. How, what about, it's, a long, it's a, going to be a long six days if you're not eating. You don't have to eat. You're just not allowed to eat bread, but you don't have to eat matzah. You can eat meat, fish, Shisvarim rasp, you can eat other, you know, vegetables. So you don't have to eat a bread. You don't have to eat um, matzah, the rest of sukkahs. Vahasam minalon. And where do we get it? Where do they learn it out? Where do we see that? Yeah, where do we see that matzah is an obligation? In the night, you must eat matzah. The Torah says it's a fixed obligation. So, yeah, so this is the sugya, this is the source for the Bachloikas. Again, Rebeleza says you have to have 14 meals in your sukkah. The Chachomim come along and say, no, you only have to have on the first night. Oh, but the Chachomim holds it's like your home. If you want to eat, you eat. If you don't want to eat, you don't have to eat. You don't have to have breakfast this morning. It's not a lot that you so so to in your sukkah. You don't have to have breakfast. So comes along, the, they learn it out as Xera Shava Tezvov Tezvov. So just two interest, two important points. One Tosfos here. Iboy Ochel, Ibo Loy Ochel. Tosfos say um, that implies that if you don't want to eat over sukkahs, you don't have to. Again, the first night, as we said, is different because there's a Xera Shava connecting the 15th of, Suk- of Tishrei to the, the night, the first night of Sukkot to the first night of Pesach. And just as the first night of Pesach you have to eat, you have to have matzah, so to the first night of Sukkot. So Tosos learned from here that it seems that therefore on Yom Tov you're not obligated to have a meal. We know on Shabbos you're obligated to have three meals. On Yom Tov we always say you have two meals, but it seems from here that you, according to Tosos, you're not obligated to have two meals. Because the Gomorrah says if you want to eat you can eat if you don't want to eat. You don't have to eat. Oh, but it's Yom Tov. Don't you have to eat? So you see, obviously you don't have to eat. And comes along with Zayra Shaman and says that you do have to eat. Um, and then he learns out an interesting halach. An important halach is, when do you repeat benching? You only if you leave out Ritzay or Yalev Yovo in benching. The general rule is you only repeat benching if you miss Yalev Yovo, if you had to have the meal. So Shabbos, you have to have three meals. Oh, therefore, if in any of your meals, 
you forget Ritzay, the extra paragraph we added for Shabbos, you'd have to repeat your benching. According to Tosvos, on Yom Tov, well, Yom Tov, you don't have to eat. So therefore, on Yom Tov, if you forget Yalev Yovo in your benching on Yom Tov, you don't have to repeat. Except, oh, he says, what about the Gemara, which says that you do repeat it? And it actually says, Chetz, um, and, yeah, one, um, and not only that, that it's, uh, so, so Tosa says, that would have to just be the first night of Pesach and the first night of Sukkot. When the Gemara over there discusses that if you miss Yalev Yovo on on Yom Tov, you have to repeat your benching. That would only be the first night of Sukkot and the first night of Pesach when you're obligated to eat. But the rest of Yom Tov, Shavuos and the days, you're not obligated to eat. As Al Gamora says, if you want to eat, you can. If you don't want to eat, you don't have to. And therefore, um, you don't have to repeat Yalev Yovo. Comes along and then he adds another interesting point. Tosa says, says, oh, but don't we say in the Gemara that you must celebrate Yom Tov half of the day for you and half for Hashem? I half should be eating and drinking and half and celebrating Yom Tov and half should be learning Torah and davening. So it comes along Tosas and they say, yeah, so how do you celebrate Yom Tov without? You have uh, meat and vegetables and, uh, and treats and desserts. You don't actually have to vas on Yom Tov. That's how Tosfos learned. The run, so again, just in the key points from Tosfos, firstly, is that on Yom Tov, you can choose whether you want to eat or not, whether you want to eat bread or not. You don't have to have a su'uda, fixed su'uda, um, you can eat whatever you want, except for the first night of Sukkot and the first night of Pesach. Um, the Ran comes along and he says no. He says, well, the Gemara says that if you forget benching, if you forget Yalev Yovon Yom Tov, you have to repeat benching. That implies you do have to eat. Oh, but then you have our question, our Gemara. So, so that's, he takes that as the standard. The standard is you do have to have a meal, two meals on Yom Tov. You have to have a, a night meal and a day meal on Yom Tov and you have to have them. Oh, but then Al Gamora says if you want to eat, you can eat. If you don't want to eat, you don't have to eat. So he says that's regarding Lechem Oni. I... This, that there's specific requirements to eat and you don't have to eat that is the specific requirements of like lechem oni. For matzah, you have to have um, special bread made of five grains and it can't have anything mixed in. The rest of paste, special matzah um, made from the five, it has to be made from the five grains, can only have water, can't have salt, can't have eggs, can't have fruit, you know, anything in. Whereas the rest of Pesach, you can have matzah with other ingredients added in. So he says that's what it means if you want to eat, you can eat. If you don't want to eat, you don't have to eat. You have to have bread. You have to have a su'ud on Yom Tov, but you don't have to have. And oh, what about first night of Sukkot? So the Ran learns very interestingly. He says on the first night of Sukkot, generally we would say to fulfill your obligation of a meal, you just have to have a kazais, maybe a kabetza, but most likely just a kazais of bread. Hey, how much bread do you have to have on Friday night to fulfill your mitzvah of having a Shabbos Su'udah with bread, and so too on Yom Tov as the Ran learns, that would be a Kazais. Let, let's, let's assume it's a Kazais, maybe a Kabeza. But for Sukkot, the Ran says, no, it's saying that you're obligated to have a meal in your Sukkah, a meal that requires a Sukkah, so you have to have more than a Kabeza. So the Ran's very interesting. He's learning when it says, if you want to eat, you can eat. If you don't want to eat, you don't have to eat. And, but except for the first night, Obviously, you have to have a Yom Tov meal, but on the first night, it's saying that you have to have a meal that obligates you in a Su'udah.
So you'd have to have more bread than you have the rest of the year you have to have on Yom Tov. And then the Ran brings a third opinion that no, just as by Pesach, remember we're learning how do we know that you have to have a meal in your sukkah on the first night of sukkahs? From Pesach. So just as Pesach you have to have a Kazayas, so to first night sukkah you have to have a Kazayas in your sukkah and that's obligate, that oblig, generally you're right, you'd only be obligated to eat the meal in your sukkah if you're having a significant amount, more than a kabetza, maybe more than two or three kabetzas, but on the first night of sukkah even a Kazayas obligates you in your sukkah. So those are the two, first two opinions, very switching Switching what's the important Gomorrah. Again, okay, Tosla say Al Gomorrah is the key Gomorrah that says if you don't want to eat on Yom Tov, you don't have to. You're not obligated to have a Yom Tov meal. Except for the first night of Sukkot and the first night of Pesach. Comes along the run and he says, no, the other Gomorrah is the key Gomorrah that says if you, if you leave out Yahweh Yavu on bench and you have to repeat. Therefore, you have to have a meal on Yom Tov. And then he has to explain what's special about the Su'udah, so what's special about the first night of Sukkot. So he says there, it's either that you have to eat enough that obligates you in a sukkah, that's the obligation, or even a kazais obligates you in a sukkah. But that's there, and this is the famous thing that we always say, and you know, we know it by rain, I'll come on to the third opinion now, that generally, that, and that's why we put in so much more effort to eat, and you hear everyone discuss, you have to eat in your sukkah on first night. You have to, it's specifically in your sukkah. And as we've seen, it's other kazai, according to Tosos, it's the only time on Yom Tov you're actually obligated to have a Yom Tov meal, first night sukkah, I guess, and Pesach. Now, there's a third shitta. This is actually brought in Tosos a bit earlier on, that we learn just as on Pesach, obviously, um, someone who's a little bit uncomfortable, they have to eat matzah. So, so too on sukkah, even in your sukkah, even if you're a little bit uncomfortable, you have to eat in your sukkah. That's a big discussion on how to learn that. But that's where we learn out that even if it's raining, you have to eat in your sukkah. Now some learn that, no, when it's raining, there's no such thing as a sukkah. And therefore the first night, generally, what happens? You want to sit down to supper and it's raining. You eat in your dining room. You don't have to go to your sukkah. But on first night, you have to wait to go eat in your sukkah. Because... As we said, it's an obligation to eat in your sukkah, just like with matzah. And others want to say that, no, you have to, um, that, no, what it means is that you eat in the sukkah, even if it's raining. Just as if it was dripping into your dining room on Pesach, would you be exempt from matzah? No, so, so too, on sukkahs, if it's raining in your sukkah, you're not exempt. But that's a tough of learning, but that's why on sukkahs not, what we try to do is wait, if it is raining, we try and wait for it to stop raining. If you can't, you eat a kazayas, say Kiddush and eat a kazayas in the sukkah. But we wouldn't say a brocha because that's a big discussion. It's raining. Maybe it doesn't even count as a sukkah. And then you'd finish your meal inside. But again, this is tied to the sukkah. There's another question is that we've said if you want to eat you just another quick side question and then we'll have to speed through most of the rest. Um, we've said so... Okay, so very interesting. Machlok has shown him about how to apply this, that it is an obligation to eat in the sukkah on the first night of sukkahs. Um, another interesting thing is, so we've said that if you want to eat in the sukkah, if you want to eat in the sukkah, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. The rest of sukkahs. But if you are eating in the sukkah, do you say we say bracha sukkah? So we should say the same thing ba pesach. If you want to eat on in the suk, if you want to eat matzah on Pesach, you should say the bracha alachilas matzah. And if you don't want to eat, you don't have to. But if you do, you should say the bracha. Why is there this difference? 
So that would be, um, don't want to go into that discussion, but that's something to think about. Why we say a bracha every time we sit in the sukkah to eat, even as, um, but we don't say a bracha when we eating matzah on Pesach. We've just said they seem to be comparable. Okay, let's carry on. Now we're going to analyze. So Vod Omar the second halach in the mission with Rebbe says you can make up not eating in your sukkah on the first night by eating on Shmini Atzeres. So the Gemaras, How can you But Rebeleza says a person is obligated to eat in his sukkah one at night and one in the day. And on Shmini Atzeres there's no mitzvah of eating in the sukkah. Never mind that. There's some opinions that if you do eat in your sukkah on Shmini Atzeres, it is Baltoisif. It's adding on to the Torah because there's no mitzvah to eat in your sukkah. So... So, so how can you make up eating, missing eating in your sukkah on Shmini Atzeres? Omar Bira, Omar Rabbi Chazar, Omar Rabbi Ami, Chazar Boy Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer retracted. Now just because we're short of time, I'm going to learn like Rashi. Rashi learns, he retracts from this halacha. It says, Mashlim Bamai, so then how do you complete it? Um, sorry, where was it? Yeah, so he says, so, so Rebbe Lezer attracts and holds you don't have to eat, four, according to Rashi, you don't have to eat 14 meals in the sukkah. He retracts to go like the sages. As I said, Tosas learned differently, but he's gone, oh, mashlim b'mai. But he's still, you still have to complete that meal if you miss it. Make it up. So he says, ilayma, so how do you complete it? Says, so maybe on Shmini Atzeres, so, so the mitzvah is not to eat in the sukkah, and now the mitzvah is to have a su'ud on first night on Yom Tov, and if you miss it, then you make it up, and you can even make it up. It seems the eating part, not the sukkah part. But that's again another discussion. What you're making up um, on Shmini Atzeres. But how do you make up the meal? Because on Shmini Atzeres it's Yom Tov and you're going to have a Sudas Yom Tov anyway. So you're already having a meal. So how do you make it up? So, Elamai Yashlim. So what does it mean make it up? Yashlim Bamine Tarkima. You have desserts. Ah, you have, you finish your meal and then you have extra desserts or extra treats and that would be how you make up your meal. The overseer of Agrippus HaMelech's palace, I guess, of his household, asked Rabbi Eliezer, says, you know, I always only eat one meal a day. Remember, Rebbe Lezer is the one, and this, we're learning like Rashi, we're going to assume this is before Rebbe Lezer attracted. So Rebbe Lezer holds you had to have 14 meals, one at night and one in the day, because in your house you always have two meals, so too in the sukkah you have to have two meals. So, um, Agrippus, the Apitropos of Agrippus said, but wait, I only eat one meal a day. So, so, can I get away with just eating one meal in the sukkah? Every day you eat these appetizers for your own glory, for your own self, I to make you enjoy your one meal a day more. You do it for yourself. Won't you have one parparos for the honor of your Rebbe? Uh, so what's he saying? He's saying, no, so have the appetizers at another point in the day so that you will be hungry and eat a meal. And then again, you'll have more appetizers later and eat. I for Hashem, just because 
for yourself to prepare to have all these appetizers to make you hungry and enjoy your meal. So do the same thing for Hashem. Make sure to have two meals. Says someone like me, I have two wives, one in Tiberia and one in Tipori. And I have two sukkahs, two homes, one in each. Says, can I go from one sukkah to the next? Can I spend the first half of sukkah with my one wife and the second half of sukkahs with my second wife? So he says, Says, no, Rebbe Lezer says, you can't because I hold, if you go from one sukkah to the other, you cancel even your first mitzvah. As we'll see, we're going to see it now, but Rebbe Lezer holds, you have to have all seven days in one sukkah. And therefore, if you go to another sukkah, well now you've lost both mitzvahs. Because you're not having seven days in one sukkah, so you don't fulfill that mitzvah. Therefore, he says, you can't do that. Don't know what he's going to do. He's going to have to do... You know, in South Africa, what uh, children often do, married children, is they'll go one night to their parents and then the second night to their in-laws. And that's, I mean, like, that seems to be quite a common practice in uh, South Africa. You know, a lot of married children, they'll do that. One night to their home, one night their wife's, home, their wife's family. But, what, um, but in Israel, what do you do? There's only one first night Yom Tov. Or first night Pesach. This is, I mean, this is by the Seder, but I guess we'll apply it by Sukkot as well. By the Seder, if so all families want, sorry, I should have mentioned that, all families want to be together. So yeah, first night by your family, second night by their family, or the other way around. So on Sukkot, so on, sorry, so Rebbe Lezer holds, you can't, you, so you can't do that on, in Israel, so you have one year, one year. One year you're with your family for Pesach, and the next year you're with your wife's family for Pesach. It's, so maybe Rabbi Lezer would have to say the same thing. One year you're with his first, his one wife on for Sukkot, and the next year he's with his other wife for Sukkot. But that's, uh, yeah, he can't change Sukkot. It says, Tanya Omer Rabbi Lezer, Omer Rabbi Lezer said, Ain yotzim in sukkah lesukkah. You're not allowed to go from one sukkah to another. But ain yotzim sukkah b'chol shalomoyd. And you're not allowed to make a sukkah on shalomoyd. V'chachamim omrim yotzim in sukkah lesukkah. You can spend sukkahs in different sukkahs. V'oisim sukkah b'chol shalomoyd. And you can make a sukkah on shalomoyd. Interesting enough, you might not be allowed to even build a sukkah on shalomoyd according to Rabbi Lezer because you're not allowed to build on shalomoyd. For the rabbis who it's a mitzvah and part of the mitzvah and essential, there's more reason you can build it, and they say you can build it. So let's say for whatever reason you didn't have a sukkah over Yom Tov. According to Rabbi Eliezer, there's nothing you can do. You're supposed to have one sukkah for all seven days. You can't build a sukkah now. According to the Chachamim, no. There's no set sukkah for sukkahs. So you can build a different sukkah. And they agree, however, if your sukkah falls down, that you can rebuild it. Rabbi Eliezer agrees. Oh, my time is Rabbi Eliezer. What's Rabbi Eliezer's source that you have to be in one sukkah? On my cross, the Apostlech says, For the festival of Sukkot, you shall make, or you shall make a Sukkah for yourself for seven days. Also, Sukkah Haru'ur L'Shiva, you have to make one Sukkah for all seven. Or, yeah, take out Haru'ur. Sukkah L'Shiva, you have to have one Sukkah for all seven days. V'Rabbonon, Hachi Ka'omarachmona. I say sukkah b'chag. Rabbanon says, no, what it means is make a sukkah for the festival. I, on all seven days, you have to have a sukkah, but not that you have to be in the same sukkah for all seven days, which is the machlokas for shavin shim nofla And now we mentioned that yeah, they both agree that if your sukkah falls down on Cholamoid, you can rebuild it. Shit, isn't that obvious? Okay, and according to Rebbe Lezer, it's the same sukkah. It says, you, even according to Rebbe Lezer, so you sat in your sukkah for Yom Tov, and then it fell down, so why can't you just put it back up? It says, You might have thought that this is a second sukkah, the Eina Shiva, and not part of the seven Kamash Melan. It's coming to teach us 
that it is considered the original sukkah. So again, there's this interesting point that Rabbi Lezah holds you have to stay in one sukkah for all seven days. We'll see manifestations of this halacha now that will, um, yeah, that will be quite interesting. But that's the din where the Chachamim hold. No, the mitzvah is to be in a sukkah over for seven days. It doesn't matter whether it's the same sukkah or a different sukkah. Each meal you could have in a different sukkah, etc. Tanya Rabbi Lezah, Oymer Keshem Shein Adam Yotzin Yidei Chovasa Biyom Tavarishon Shel Chag Belulavo Shel Chaveira. Just as a person is not allowed to fulfill the mitzvah of shaking lulav with his Friends, Lulav, on the first day of Sukkot, still see as it's written, You shall take Lochem for yourselves on the first day, uh, Esrog, etc. Mishelochem, it must be yours. That's the that's the fame that's where we know on Sukkot it has to be your lulav. So he says, "Kach ein adam yoytzin yedei chavos ha besukkah shel chaveira tichsiv chaga sukkos tassel lechoshiv ashomim." You're not allowed to borrow your friend's sukkah for that for seven for sukkahs because it says for seven days it shall be your sukkah that you made. Right, so now we're taking it a step further. Not only do you have to spend sukkahs in the same sukkah, country Rebbe Lezer, not, you're not allowed to spend that whole sukkahs. Borrowing your friend's sukkah because it says locho, yours, it must be your sukkah. It says, oh, they should also apply this drosha that you have to spend sukkahs in your sukkah. So he says, No, and they say, Even though we say you're not allowed to fulfill your mitzvah of lulav with your friends, lulav, I know a lot about it, but you are allowed to fulfill your obligation with your friend's sukkah. As it's written, it says all of the citizens of Israel will dwell in Sukkot. Now, Alf is written, Gomorrah is written with the Vol, but the Posuk is without the Vol. I'm Besukkot in a Sukkah. This teaches us that all of Menei Israel can sit in one Sukkah. Now, what is it? So, how do we see? Oh, maybe they own it in partnership, and therefore it is your Sukkah. So how do you see? He says, no. Because no matter how, if you take a whole sukkah and divide it, Rashi explains, if you take a whole sukkah and divide its value amongst the whole of Bnei Israel, as the Apostle tells us, all of Bnei Israel can sit in one sukkah. It's going to be a big sukkah, but they can, or they can have one of turns, one after the other, staggered meals. Um, but all of Bnei Israel can have one sukkah. The monetary value that they each have is less than a pruta. And he says that doesn't count as ownership. So by the fact that the Torah tells us that all of an Israel can share one sukkah, we see that you don't have to own your sukkah. You can borrow a sukkah from someone else. You can sit in your friend's sukkah. Um, and that's the proof. Now a lot of people challenge this Rashi. I'm coming one second. A lot of people challenge this Rashi because... What do you mean? There is ownership on less than a pruta. might have certain ramifications. Okay, but that's a separate discussion. That's how Rashi learns. There's no ownership at least in this scenario of less than a Shaveh Pruta, and therefore you can borrow, we see that by the fact that the Torah says all of an Israel can sit in one sukkah, you can. I mean, a interesting idea on that, you can learn out the Achtus. There's a sukkah, we know, sukkah shlomech, or sukkah of peace, it binds everyone together, and there's this special dimension of a sukkah that the Torah mentions all of an Israel can sit in one sukkah. Yes, did you want to ask something, Mervyn? How does this fit in with the discussion we had earlier, where you've got a courtyard? It implies that there are many, many houses. Yeah. We talked about. And they share the sukkah. Yeah. 
So I would think, so firstly, let's assume we, we pass like the Chachomim, that you can borrow a sukkah, you can sit in your friend's sukkah. If someone invites you over for a meal, you can go and eat there. According to Rabbi Eliezer, if someone invites you for a meal, you can't necessarily eat there because you have to eat in the sukkah, but it doesn't count as eating in the sukkah if you eat in someone else's sukkah. So, yeah, so you couldn't go out. Um, that would be the one way of learning. So it's the Rabbonon. But I think even that could work because it's fine if it's owned in partnership, it seems. I, if you own, let's say it costs the, the, the materials of the sukkah and the value of the sukkah is, I don't know, uh, 2,000 rand. So if we split it, then our own, then it is my sukkah and it is your sukkah. It's, uh, this is how Rashi seems to learn. It's specifically by the sukkah that all of an Israel can sit in. Well, there, each person's only going to own 50 cents of the sukkah because there's so many Jews in one sukkah. So therefore, there's no ownership on it. That's, that seems to be shut. So you could even fit that with Rebbe Eliezer, that where you own a significant amount, it is counted as your sukkah. Okay, Rabbonin, hi lechol, my darshimei. What does Rabbonin do with this lechot? It says it has to be your sukkah. It says, mi boi leili zula. To say you're not allowed to sit in a stolen sukkah. How do you steal a sukkah? Is it a part of the ground? And land, many hold, can't be stolen. So one way is it could be a sukkah on a wagon, and you steal the wagon with the sukkah on, or it could be built from stolen materials, but that gets a bit complicated when it's considered yours, when it's considered stolen, etc. But building a sukkah from stolen materials, those would be two options of a sukkah's gazula, and you do not fulfill the obligation in a stolen sukkah. But regarding borrowing a sukkah or a borrowed sukkah, it says kola ezrach. You can stay in that sukkah. What does Rebbe Lezer do with the passage that says kola ezrach? All of an Israel will sit in one sukkah, implying that they can share a sukkah, can borrow a sukkah. He needs this for a mana who, a convert who converts in the middle of sukkahs or a child who becomes an adult in the middle of sukkahs. Again, Rebbe Lezer told us at the top of the page that it has to be your sukkah for seven days. What happens if someone converts in the middle of sukkahs? Or what happens if a child turns bar mitzvah in the middle of sukkahs? His, his bar mitzvah is on the third day of sukkahs. So you tell me, according to Rabbi Lezer, you run into trouble because he told us you have to have a sukkah for seven days. So he says, no, because it says, Kola Ezrach, if you couldn't have your sukkah for the first few days, and now you bar mitzvah, now you've converted, you can build a sukkah. So you kind of what when it seems, Rabbi Lezer holds, you have to have a su- one sukkah for the maximum of time that you're obligated. So if you're obligated in all seven days, because you're an adult man who starts sukkahs obligated in sukkah, then you have to have one sukkah for all seven days. If you're a child who only turns bar mitzvah in the middle of sukkahs, so again, your maximum time that you're obligated. It says, oh, what do the rabbis say? Well, they obviously old. You can even build, even a regular person can build a sukkah on cholamoid. Let's do one more sukkah and then we'll leave it there. There was a story with Rebbe Lai who went to visit Rebbe Eliezer Rabba, his Rebbe, Belud, Beregel, and Omalai Lai. So, Rebbe, sorry, so Rebbe Lai went to visit Rebbe Eliezer in Lud. It seems he went on Erev Yom Tov to spend Yom Tov. Now, for, so, Omalei, Eli, Eimcho, Mishoitz, Mishavusei, Haregel, you're not from those who 
enjoy the festival probably. Shahoya Rebbe Leza, Omer Rebbe Leza used to say, I praise the lazy ones who don't leave their house over the festival. You and your household will rejoice. Part of Simcha's Yom Tov is celebrating with your family. You have to be with your wife. So that's why he's criticizing his student who left his wife to come spend Yom Tov with him. That's what Rebbe Leza is criticizing his student for doing, for le- leaving your wife to come spend Yom Tov. No, that's not how you say it. To the degree that Rebbe Leza says, he knows they're not doing it anymore. The, you know the people who never go out and they stay at home the whole of Yom They never ever leave their house? He says, generally, that's a little bit of a criticism. Why are they so lazy? Why aren't they going to work? Why aren't they going out and doing things? But in this context, he says, no, that's very praiseworthy because they celebrate the regal with their family, which is the correct way to do it with their wife. He says, Eni, is this true that you shouldn't go to visit your Rebbe on the festival because you should be with your wife? Rebbe Yitzhak says, how do I know that you're obligated to visit your Rebbe on the festival? Um, this was the Isha Shunoma, she was going, her son died, so she was going to Elisha to ask him to bring him back to life. And her husband saw her leaving, he didn't know why she was leaving, he said, why are you going to Elisha? I know he's your Rebbe, but it's not Shabbos or Rosh Chodesh. And we're translating that as, it's not the festival. We see that on the Chodesh and the Shabbos, the person is obligated to go visit their Rebbe. Okay, it's a big discussion. It doesn't say the regal. It just says Shabbos and Yom. It just says Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh. But we learn from there. There's an obligation to go visit your Rebbe. So why doesn't? Why isn't Rebbe? Why didn't Rebbe Lezer, Why did Rebbe Lezer criticize his Talmud for come visiting him? It seems it's an obligation. It says No, where it's a mitzvah to go to your Rebbe is where you can return on the same day. Right, so you go for the shir. You go have a little chat with your Rebbe, and then you go home for lunch. Or you make it home for supper. But here he traveled to a different city, so he would not be allowed to travel home. And that's why Rebbe Eliezer criticized him. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. There's a lot more to discuss on these points, but we'll leave it.